I want to go in your Bibles to Isaiah 55. I'm going to venture away from Acts 15 for just a moment by direction of the Holy Spirit. I want to minister this thought to you today, the satisfied soul. The satisfied soul. Isaiah 55 and verse 1 and 2. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have money, who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Would you bow your heads in prayer? Heavenly Father, it is an honor to serve you. I stand here today, Lord, to just represent you today, to, do, to honor you today. I don't stand here because I'm worthy of this place. I stand here because you're worthy of my life. And I ask that you would use me for your glory. I ask that you would set me aside and speak through me, Father. I want to honor you today with all that I have. I want to serve you well today. And I ask that you would anoint me, not for my glory, but God, for your honor. Anoint me, Lord, that I might speak your words and speak to the hearts of your people. Lift them up today and encourage them and bless them today with your presence and with your glory. I pray that this message will forever change us and forever be a part of our hearts and lives. Let it sit heavy upon the hearts of your people. And I promise God, all the glory and all the honor, it belongs to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. The satisfied soul. In the 1800s, a man by the name of Horatio Spafford was a friend and co-worker in ministry to the great evangelist D.L. Moody. He worked side by side with him, but not only was he a co-evangelist with D.L. Moody, he also was a successful lawyer, a very hard-working lawyer and a successful businessman. He had invested a lot of his money from being a lawyer in property there in Chicago and he was very successful and, and a very wealthy man. But the fires in 1871, the Chicago fires in 1871 came and it almost bankrupted Horatio Spafford with all of his investments. Devastated in 1871 by this financial calamity, he began, it, be, it, was, the, it was the turning point of a massive trial that would, he would face for the next couple years. Horatio Spafford had, had agreed to go with D.L. Moody over to England so that he could, he could spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and him and his family, his four daughters and his wife, were going to travel over there together. But business and zoning issues with some of the issues he was having from 1871 with the great fires 
delayed him and forced him to stay in Chicago while his family boarded the boat to sail across the Atlantic to England to be with D.L. Moody and, and help him with the evangelistic outreach. But on that ocean in the great Atlantic Ocean, the boat that his wife and children were on collided with another boat. And his four daughters drowned in the ocean. And when Horatio Spafford got this famous telegram from his wife, it said two words, saved alone. 1873 was the most tragic, tragic year for him. From his financial calamity all the way to his, the loss of all of his children and just him and his wife. He boarded a boat, sailed across the sea to get to his grieving wife. And while he was passing the very place where they said that the boat had sunk, he penned these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to know, it is well, it is well with my soul. Today we sing that song and sometimes we don't even understand the weight of the words behind behind the song because, because this man was grieving and broken by the circumstances of life. And at that moment, he had to dip into himself and find something deeper than anything outside of himself to find satisfaction. And he found something that satisfied him while he was grieving over his four daughters. While he was suffering from the financial calamity of the great fires of Chicago in 1871. He dips down into his soul and he finds something that brings satisfaction to him. And it's the very presence of God in his life that satisfies him in these very dark moments. I want you to know, church, that you, you can be satisfied even in dark times because of the God that you serve. Amen? You can find satisfaction today even amongst the COVID situation, even amongst the loss that we see today, even amongst those who are in their bed today sick and recovering, trying to get better from all the things that they are facing in their body, from financial calamity, from marital issues, from all of the struggles that life brings to you, from the loss that you face. You can find some satisfaction. It may not be outside of you, but if if you look inside of your soul, you will find that it is well if you have God where He belongs. I have learned over the years of serving the Lord that no matter what comes my way, the outside of me does not have to reflect the inside of me. I can be satisfied inside. I can have peace even though it doesn't look like peace around me. That's why the Bible said He gives us peace that passes understanding. Because you won't understand why I have it when I'm dealing with all the calamity around me. But somewhere inside I grab a hold of the presence of God who gives me peace when I don't feel peace. I've learned that He can satisfy me through whatever comes my way. And today I find that there are many people who have a lot of things in life. 
But in their soul, maybe they're not as satisfied as they need to be. I have seen people who are rich, but poor. Because you can have everything in this life and really have nothing at all. Naked you came in, and the only reason you go out in a suit or a nice dress is because your family put it on you. Otherwise, naked you go. You don't take anything with you. You come in empty, you leave empty. That's how it works. But yet, you can still be satisfied in this life because you can't find what you're really in need of in this world, can you? The world cannot satisfy what you need. You can try to fill it with anything in this world and it will not bring that peace and satisfaction to you. And the world is literally starving. Starving for what you and I have today. We have something this world doesn't have. We have joy that cannot be taken away from us. We have peace that they cannot stay, that, that the world cannot take away from us. We have something this world did not give. We used to sing that old song, the world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away. Amen? They're hungry today. I, I, I love what Isaiah said. He said, why do you waste your resources on what doesn't satisfy? Why are, you, why are you wasting your time with this, these things that, that don't bring you any satisfaction? Why are you consumed in those things that don't bring peace and joy and comfort and uplift, uh, an uplifting spirit to you? Why are you so, so consumed in this when God is the answer to everything that you need? This world is so hungry for God to do something. And, and it's hungry for us as a church to be the real church. I, I read this beautiful quote from Valerie Garner. I, I believe I put it here for you. It's a quote on, on what does hung, what a spiritual hunger feel like. Look at these, look what she says. She wrote these beautiful words. She said, It can feel different to different people, but common feelings are a deep sense of emptiness. Feeling like there's no meaning or significance to life. Feeling lost. Feeling like something is missing but not able to identify what is missing. It can be edgy. Uh, uh, it can be an edgy, gnawing feeling of unknown origin. It can feel like deep sobbing from the very center of our soul. That's what hunger is like. This world is hungry for only what God can give. The only one who can satisfy you is God. The only one who can satisfy this world is God. The only one who has the resources and the right, the, 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 the nutrition that is needed for the spiritual heart is God. You cannot find it anywhere else. So why waste your resources? On what will not satisfy. I remember my, my pastor. He, he fasted a lot. You knew he was fasting when you worked with him. Because at lunchtime he'd just throw you a bottle of water. And say welcome to lunch. And we would drink water for lunch. 
And even if you weren't fasting, he made you fast when, we, when he was fasting. And so that was kind of life with Pastor Dethridge. And uh, one time I knew he was fasting because usually we stop and we get a Coke and a candy bar before we got to the campground because we work at the campground. And he didn't stop for a Coke or a candy bar. And we stopped there at the, at the place to work and we were working. At lunchtime he threw me a bottle of water and he said, come on, let's go have lunch. And, and, and we went and sat down in the car and we drank our bottle of water. And, and, and I, I, was, I, was, I, was, I laughed inside. I didn't laugh openly because I didn't want to make him feel bad. But he had a picture on the dash of his car of a turkey that was cooked succulently. And all the fixings around it. And, and he put it in front of him and he just stared intently at the picture while he was while he was supposed to be eating lunch he was longing for that turkey i could see it in his eyes man i mean he wanted that turkey and i know after he was done fasting he made his wife make a turkey i know he did but but i was so i was so impressed by that that we were sitting there sitting there drinking our water fasting and honoring god and seeking his face and here he is looking at a succulent picture of a turkey longing for can i tell you right now that the world honestly has long eyes for what you and I have today the world is looking at the picture of the church and they need to see that we have something worth taking a taste of the church should be a sweet taste for the kingdom of God this place should be a house where people come and find satisfaction for the soul that they cannot find out there in the world in the world, there's a big gaping hole in the hearts of humanity. And the only one who can fill that hole is God himself. Nobody else can fill the void of our hearts. Nobody else can. What does spiritual hunger feel like? I think two things happen when you're spiritually hungry. One... You go looking for spiritual satisfaction when you're hungry. I've seen people come to this church because they were spiritually hungry. They wanted, uh, they wanted a real word from God. They didn't want it. They didn't want cotton candy messages. They didn't want um, pretend services. They, they wanted a real move of God. And so they came here because they were hungry for it. Some of you came here because you wanted more of the word of God. You wanted it to be straightforward. You didn't want it to be sugar-coated or, or candy-coated. You wanted it straight, and so you came here. And some of you have even pulled me aside and said, Thank you for being straight about it. Thank you for preaching the truth without being concerned about feelings and what people think. Thank you. Some of you have thanked me for it. And I'm glad that you have come here because you were hungry and you were in search of God in this place. I remember when I first started pastoring here and several people came to the church from different churches. And I was bothered by that. I, I don't take anybody from any other church. I'm not a proselyte. I don't proselyte. I, is that the right word? Did I say it right? I might have messed it up. But, it, but you understand what I mean. I don't, I don't steal people from other churches. That's not who I am. I want to win the loss for Christ. But, but people were coming to our church. They come from all over the place. They were going to different churches and came over. And I prayed and told the Lord, I need to pull these people aside and tell them to go back where they belong. And the Holy Spirit rebuked me and said, no, you don't. 
I'll send them to you. It's your job to feed them. Not your job to worry about it. You feed whoever I send. And when they come in there, you honor me and feed them. And that's what I've been doing ever since that moment. Even though I didn't feel, I, I was concerned about it. I, I quit being concerned and I said, Lord, whoever you send my way, they must be hungry because you brought them in. And I'm going to feed them the best I can with everything I've got. So some come looking for spiritual satisfaction. Some, listen, the second reason why, uh, the second way to tell that if you're spiritually hungry is you have starved yourself to the point of losing spiritual desires. Did you know you can do that spiritually? You can starve your spiritual man so much that it almost comes to the point of death and you lose spiritual desires. Let me give you some signs of, of starving spiritually. Here's some signs of starving spiritually. You lose your desire to be in church. Did you know you can be here today but not really be here? Come on, somebody. You could be in church but not really be here. Just going through the motions. I'm here. I got to do what I got to do. I got to be there. I don't want Pastor Bruce to get upset at me, so I got to go to church. I don't want to get a phone call asking where I've been. I just, I, I got, I'm going to go, but you're not really there. Did you know you could be sitting at the table where God feeds and not eat? You lose desire for God's word. Instead of wanting to hear the preaching, you, 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 you tune out. Instead of wanting to read your Bible, you go somewhere else in your mind. You find some other source of, uh, that, that can make you feel better for just a moment. You, 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 you push the things of God out of your life when you should be pulling them close. This is one of the signs that you are starving inside. That you're hungry and you're not eating. Prayer becomes a drudgery. It's too, 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 I, don't, I don't have time to pray. I've got too much going on. And so prayer doesn't happen often. Prayer isn't a key ingredient to your relationship with God when it should be the key ingredient. Can I tell you that much of what you need comes to you through prayer? When you are weak, you find strength in prayer. When you are broken, you find wholeness in prayer. When you are sick, you find healing in prayer. When you need God, you find Him in prayer. When you need the Holy Ghost, He comes down by prayer. When you need to be uplifted, He lifts up in prayer. The list can go on and on and on and on, but prayer is the key. But people that starve themselves, they be, prayer becomes a drudgery. The starving person, the spiritually starving person, witnessing is too inconvenient. One, I, I don't want to take the time, and two, I have to live it after I said it. Come on now. And when you're spiritually starving, you're too spiritually weak to live it. Come on now, I'm preaching right now. Amen. You, when you're starving yourself, you don't want to witness because witnessing means you got to live it. And witnessing means you're going to have to take the time to care about it. Starving yourself spiritually, praising God becomes routine. Yeah, I'm here. Glad to be here in your house, Lord. 
Raise your hands, but there's no real heart behind it. No real joy behind it. No real passion behind it. No mind fixed on God. No rejoicing in your heart about the Savior who paid the price for you. No, no longing in the spirit that says, oh, I'm so glad to be in his house to praise him. You know, you can easily slip into a routine like this. You can easily, Christian, can I tell you that I've seen people in church that have been going to church Sunday after Sunday and they are starving spiritually? Now I tell you all this because I want to give you quickly four, four areas that we need to pay attention to when it comes to satisfying your soul. One, don't ignore your spiritual side. Don't ignore the fact that you have been created in God's image and you have a spiritual side. Life is busy, my dear friend. We are busy all day long. Every day you are all busy doing something. Matter of, and when you're not busy, you're just tired. Come on, amen? I hope I'm not the only one who lives like that. I'm busy and then when I'm not busy, I'm laying down because I'm tired because I've been busy. Amen? And it's very, very complicated with life when, when you're so focused on everything you have to do that you forget in the day that it's not just about everything you have to do, but you have a spiritual side that needs to be satisfied. You have a side of yourself that if you ignore it, it will literally plummet your physical side down into the ground. I believe that many people are sick because they've ignored the spiritual side. I believe that many people are battling with demons and demonic oppression because they've ignored the spiritual side. I believe with all my heart that there are people who are, who are literally losing their, losing their passion for God. Not because they don't love God, but because they've ignored the fact that they need to focus here. You know, hunger pains have a way in the physical realm of demanding your attention. Remember one time. I was fasting, seeking the face of God, and I fasted for some time. And, um, you know, the first day is always the hardest. I want to eat my refrigerator by the time noon comes around. And, but as, as you go on th through the fasting, as you, some days progress, you, you kind of come numb to the fact that you're not eating. And I remember taking my friend to Del Taco in San Bernardino, California, and he ordered chili cheese fries, and I was fasting. I was driving, no it ain't good brother Tom. I was driving and so the chili cheese fries, they went like this. And I could smell them. And I wanted them so bad. Everything in me said just eat a fry. Eat a fry, one fry, just one fry. And I mean I, I wanted it so bad but but I refused to do it because I wanted to honor God at that moment. I wanted him to know that I wanted him more than I wanted anything for this life. And so I, I pushed it away. I said, no, I won't do it. My grandmother came up to me. She knew what I was doing. She said, hey, 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 so tell me, what are you going to eat when you break? 
You all know what I did. I drove 20 minutes out of my way to go to a Del Taco. I passed three other Del Tacos to go to the one in San Bernardino so that I could eat their chili cheese. That was the one I smelled. Can I tell you when people are hungry and they get a whiff of the presence of God. Oh, how they long. They'll drive hours to come to this church. Hours if they know he's here. Hours if they know his presence is here. They'll come from everywhere saying we want to hear what God has to say. They'll watch online across the world and across the United States. Because hungry people can smell the savory substance of God. Spiritual hunger signifies a godly nature. It needs to be satisfied. You need to satisfy your spiritual side. You need to satisfy that side of yourself that belongs to God. The Bible said that God, He fashioned man from, from the dust of the earth. He formed man and then He breathed into man. And man became a living soul. That very breath of God, it was created in man by God. And it is, must be sustained by God to this day. Because he breathed it, you can only find that life in him. Amen? You can't find it anywhere else. You can't satisfy that part of yourself anywhere else. You're not going to find it anywhere else. And I know I say this all the time, but, but, and I don't, I don't want to throw stones, but I want you to know you're not going to solve it with the bartender giving you a drink. You're not going to solve it at the drug house. Or, and unfortunately today, drugs are not, not just drug dealers in a trailer. Their drug dealers have white coats today. You can get drugs anywhere today. And it could come in any form. You can find all kinds of substitutes that will not satisfy. You can numb yourself with possessions and toys. and You can numb yourself with all kinds of foolishness in this world. But it will not bring the satisfaction that you need. And I'm telling you, if you're not where you're supposed to be, but you have had a walk with God, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you are where you're supposed to be, you should be saying, Amen! He's the one who satisfies me. The second thing I want you to know is that you have to feed it or it dies. Anything worth value has to be fed. I'm always baffled by the desert here. You don't have to do anything and weeds will grow. And they grow anywhere and everywhere you don't want them. But if you want to grow a tomato plant, brother, you better prepare it. And you better feed it. And you better baby it. And you better fertilize it. Can I tell you that anything that's going to bring fruit or substance to your life, it must be fed and cared for. I'm telling you, you are alive to whatever you are feeding and caring for today. Whatever you are feeding and caring for today, you are alive to. If you are in our younger generation, and not even so much in our younger but even our young adult generation, they're feeding and caring for video games. And they're consumed in them today. 
So much so that when they, they'll spend hours and not even get a job to pr- provide for themselves. They're consumed in it. They find satisfaction in a character on a screen who jumps and, and moves and shoots and blows things up. That's not going to bring satisfaction. But we can try to find satisfaction in our bank accounts. And so we feed our bank accounts with finances. We feed our bank accounts the best we can with hard work and labor, trying to grow those things. We feed it, but I can tell you right now, the bank account, when it runs dry, if your soul's where it belongs, you still won't be empty. But if the bank account's gone, and God isn't where He belongs, you will find yourself at the bottom of a very deep pit. Your body leaves you no choice, eat or die. You have what we call hunger pains. Everybody here has experienced a hunger pain, right? Your body tells you, give me something. Give me something. And the less you give your body, the more weak your body gets. If you don't feed your body over a period of time, you will begin to falter in your ability to accomplish anything. Can I tell you right now that many people have not been feeding the spiritual side of themselves and because of that, they are faltering in their life for God? They are weak spiritually. They praise weak. They study weak. They shout weak. They rejoice weak. Because they haven't been focusing on that spiritual side. They haven't been feeding that spiritual side. To satisfy the soul, you must choose to eat based off of that desire for Him. You must choose it. Brother, when I plant tomato plants, I choose to feed them, water them, care for them, prune them. I choose to do that. And the fruit that comes from it is because I chose it. Can I tell you right now that your spiritual side, your spiritual life, if you feed it properly, it will produce something in your life that will give, uh, give substance to your life. It will sustain you, strengthen you. It will become the very foundation you stand on. It will be the rock when the storm comes. It will be, it'll be the, a stable anchor in the middle of a storm. It will give you the ability to walk on unstable ground. It will lift you up when you are low. It'll pull you out of pits that you would have sunk deep into. It will hold you. But today we find many people, even Christians, who have not been feeding that spiritual side and when the storm comes and when the heartache comes, they find themselves not rising above, not standing firm, not rebuking the enemy, but caving down Preaching better than you're saying amen. You know, sometimes you have to force feed what the flesh don't want to eat. You ever try to feed a stubborn baby? (laughs) The one guy who's got a baby knows what I'm talking about. There's certain baby food. That to this day, when I smell it, I still go, eh. 
especially the minced carrot, carrot one. You know which one I'm talking about? Peas and carrots. Oh, gosh. Oh. To this day, they open the can, and I walk away. I know that my mom must have fed that to me when I was a baby, and I'm sure I turned my head up. Sure. Now, the banana one, I will eat that today. Give me the baby food. Amen. <laughs> Sometimes you got to force what the flesh don't want. My flesh don't want to go to church. Get up and go anyway. My flesh don't want to pray. Get up and pray anyway. My flesh don't want to study his word. Get up and study anyway. My flesh doesn't want to praise. Praise him anyway. Sometimes you got to push past what the flesh don't want in order to feed your soul. Number three, the one, don't ignore your spiritual side. Two, feed it or it dies. And number three, complaining misses the value. The Bible tells us a story of the children of Israel that God provided manna every single day. Enough food for them to eat every single day. Now, when they first tasted the manna, they were blown away by its flavor. They said it tastes like wafers and honey. They could not even describe it. it. They said it's a small round thing on the ground. We don't even know what it is. It's just a small round thing. They picked it up. They took a taste. And it tasted like wafers and honey. And they said, wow, this is amazing. And every morning God watered the earth with this manna. Every morning they would go out and eat this manna and gather it for the day. And every day God supplied enough food for probably 1.2 million people in the desert to feed them every day. And on Friday they gathered enough to get them through Friday and Saturday. And then on Sunday they had a fresh supply. I mean, God provided, but wouldn't you go to, doesn't it go to, doesn't it, doesn't it just happen that when you eat the same thing over and over again, some people turn their nose up and say, I think I want something else. And it's usually spoiled people. <laughs> they tasted it, they liked it at the beginning, but now... They want to taste something else. I've seen churches do this with pastors. I've seen, I've seen people do it with other people. Close. Friendship tasted like wafers and, and, tasted like wafers and honey, and it was wonderful to taste. It was great at the beginning, and then all of a sudden, somewhere down the line, they want something else. I've seen marriages do that. But here are the children of Israel, they get, they get literally picky and complaining. And they go out there and they're like, oh. at first it was like, wow, this is great. What is this? And oh, it tastes so good. And just a few months down the road, oh, here we go again. More wafers with honey. Oh, here we go again. The same thing. Can I tell you? That the same thing that God provides day after day after day is still good. 
Amen? Still good. Can I just apply this to a New Testament ideology? Can I just tell you that the Holy Ghost is still good? Can I tell you that the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues is the most blessed experience a person will ever feel on this side of the earth? And it's still good? That's why Paul said, I speak in tongues more than you all. Why? Because it's good, brother. It's good. It is still good. And when I march out into the field where God has supplied manna for me and I get a taste of that honey called the Holy Ghost, I'm telling you, I do not complain saying, oh, there it is, that same old Holy Ghost, that same old spirit, sister so-and-so doing her tongues and brother so-and-so doing his interpretation. Oh, no. I, that's that same. I don't complain. I say thank you, God, for the same good thing. Matter of fact, what are we going to do when some of these good old saints who have enough spiritual fortitude to stand up and proclaim the word of God in the tongues and interpretation, when God takes them home, someone's going to have to do it. And I tell you that the same manna, the same salvation that we have today is still good. Your testimony is still good. Your salvation is still good. Your church is still good. Even though COVID has hit, it's still good. Even though people, God has called some home, it's still good. Even though the devil's been attacking, he's still good. It's still good to be in his presence, in his house. We could turn up our nose anywhere. We could, we could complain about everything. And those are people who truly are missing the value. Can I tell you right now, the children of Israel miss the value of just walking out there going, I cannot believe that God loves me so much. Look what he has given me. Look what he has given me. And going back to their tent and telling their children, you better rejoice today, children. For your heavenly father has provided food for you. I couldn't provide it, but your father in heaven has. The one who provided for you wasn't me. It was him who provided for you. Can I tell you, that is praiseworthy. It is something to, to, to give God glory for. There is value in what he has provided. Why do we waste our resources on things that do not satisfy? The scripture says, come and buy food without money. Come broke, but you'll leave full. Oh, come on. Come completely broken, but when you leave, you'll be satisfied. Come completely just as you are in the place that you are. And come like that, and you will not leave the way you came, God is saying. Complaining misses it. There's still something of value there's still value in holiness preaching. I know today it's not popular to preach about that we need to walk worthy of the call. That we need to live a life that is holy for the Lord. But it's still true today. It's still true today. Number four, and I'm done after this. Melissa, come to the piano. God has in abundance what you need. Can I just... Can I just gaze here at a moment again at Isaiah 55, 1 and 2? 
everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money on what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. God has an abundance of what you Out of abundance. We just celebrated Thanksgiving. My favorite holiday. I'm telling you, I love, you know why I love Thanksgiving? Family and food. You can't go wrong with family and food. You just, those are two great things, amen? And what I love about Thanksgiving is the food is not just a little, you know, normal, normal cooked meal. You know, you make a meat, you make a veggie, you make a starch, and you put it on the plate. Eat it. Thanksgiving, there's, it's everywhere. The table that you normally put all the side dishes on is full. The kitchen counter is full. The table is full. And you don't have a big enough belly to taste everything that's on, that everything that has been made. I love that. My favorite holiday. You should see my plate at Thanksgiving. Because it is available, my plate heaps. And I, I try to, I just pile it on. Usually I get the bread last and I set it on top. As of like like a, you know, like a little birthday cake candle, you know, says, congratulations, you've won. And I sit down, and everything, oh, is good. Now the problem with me is I love it so much that I, I don't eat a taste, I eat a portion. Of everything I can get on my plate. My plate is never big enough. For Thanksgiving. But what I love so much about it is. After I'm done with that plate. There's always. More. I like that. Can I tell you right now that. The Holy Ghost you got. 30 years ago that you have in your heart and life that blessed you so much and you've went sat down and you've been feasting on that same Holy Spirit that God has given to you you know you can come back to the table and there's more isn't that amazing abundance abundance you can come back and get more well I'm already saved Good. Do you know there's more? Come and dine. The master calling. Come and dine. Come and feast at Jesus' table anytime. That's the old song, come and dine. Christian, there's an abundance of supply. So much that Jesus said, blessed 
are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. For they shall be filled. So why waste our time with something that doesn't satisfy? Why waste our resources on something that doesn't satisfy the soul? Why not come to the table that's already been prepared? Why not come to the table that God has already prepared everything? And my dear brother in God's kingdom, God spreads it out everywhere. It's on his dining table. It's on his, it's on his end tables. It's on the kitchen counters, brother. It's everywhere. There is substance for you. You know what that means? You can get the same substance at your home. That you could get it in, as you can get in church. You can get it in the car in a parking lot. You can get it in the bathroom when you're shutting the kids out because you need a moment alone. You can get it anywhere because God has it in abundance. And anybody in my house that's been invited to Thanksgiving can eat. That's the number one rule to eat at my Thanksgiving dinner. You must be invited. Otherwise, go home. You're going to eat my food. <laughs> Do you know that God has invited everyone? Everyone. You're invited. Family's invited. Your friends are invited. Everyone's invited. Why? Because he's the only one who can touch that living soul that he created inside of you and bring to you the satisfaction that only Adam truly knew before the fall and Jesus knew in walking in his Father's will. The satisfaction that you know God has you and everything is going to be okay. The satisfaction that says, I have peace even though you can't understand why. The satisfaction that brings joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. The satisfaction that gives you, that gives you a place to stand when everything around you is chaotic and crazy. That kind of satisfaction. You can't get it in the world, but you can get it with God. Amen. Let me end with this. Maybe, maybe what you've been missing is a good old-fashioned prayer meeting between you and God. Maybe what you're lacking is not some fancy service but just a moment alone with your Savior to know that He's there with you. To feel the glorious feeling that everything is right between you and Him. To get up and say, I know it is well with my soul. Brother, that's what you need to say. That's what you need to say. Whatever the world brings, is it well with your soul today? Amen. Is it well? Could you sit?
are you going to do, Lord? I want you to do this thing. Let's stand together, please.